Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise you for you are refuge and strength. We thank you for your ever-present help to all of us. Speak your words of assurance to us and silence all the noises of anxieties. Teach us to see everything with your eyes and wisdom. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Let us read 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 to 16, and continue Paul's final exhortation to Timothy. But you, but you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness and godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of a faith, take a hold of eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God, who gives a life to everything, and of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made a good confession, I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, King of kings, and Lord of the Lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, can see. to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Yesterday we saw Paul's first part, uh, first part of Paul's final exhortation to Timothy. Paul called Timothy to be a man of God and commanded him to flee from false teachings and false godliness and follow righteousness and true godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness, and fight the good fight and fasten unto the eternal life. Today, we will see the second and third part of the final exhortation, the charge and benediction. Apostle Paul calls the two ultimate witnesses for his charge, namely God the Father and God the Son. Verse 13, in the sight of God, who gives a life to everything, in the sight of Christ Jesus, who, while testifying before Pontius Pilate, made a good confession. Here Paul follows the Jewish tradition of calling plural witnesses on important occasions. We should note an important side point that for Jewish people, all authority, often God's authority, revealed through community, because every authority is a given for the sake of a community by God of a triune community. Also, in Paul's final charge to Timothy, God the Father and God the Son are more than witnesses. God the Father and God the Son are called here because they are the enablers of our divine calling. All great leaders of Israel become men of God, not on their own strength and virtues, but by God's strength and grace. All great men of God became great men of God because God is great, and God makes all his faithful followers great at the end. Thus, by calling father and son as witnesses, Paul did not mean to intimidate Timothy, but to encourage him. Paul wanted Timothy to be heartened, because God is the one who gives a life to all things. He preserves and maintains life. 
and he would sustain Timothy for all his given days or allotted time in his life. Timothy was likewise to be strengthened not only by Christ's presence, but by his example. That's why Paul mentioned Jesus testifying God before Pontius Pilate and making the good confession. Jesus was a witness far excellence. He is the ultimate witness of God, and he is the ultimate faithful servant of God. Jesus had already done what Timothy was asked to do here. Finally, Paul seals his grand charge with a majestic benediction that extols God's sovereignty. Verse 15, second part of verse 15, God, the blessed and the only ruler, King of kings and Lord of the Lord, who alone is immortal and who gives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Why does Paul emphasize God's kingship twice here, only as a ruler and alone immortal? Why does Paul repeat God to be King of kings and Lord of the Lord? Here I want to remind us of two important biblical truths of Paul's benediction here. First, this benediction has a political ramification. Anyone writing this and anyone reading this kind of a language, political language of a ruling and reigning at any time during the first century within the Roman world would know just how politically subversive it was. And it, it, Paul didn't make it as a hint. Paul rubs it in, word after word, phrase after phrase. We don't have a king in this country, so we don't imagine, we, 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 we have not much to connect to this. We have, we have been living in the first and the longest successful democratic political system in the world that often American Christians, we read passages like this pretty much metaphorical, metaphorically. But for the Christians in the Roman Empire, confession and benediction like this led to political subversion and ultimate persecution. So I want us to know that gospel has a political DNA because our God, God we confess and bless, is a ruler of the world, literally, not metaphorically. God is a ruler of the world. We are in God's politics with the gospel. We are, in a, we are God's politicians in this world. And the we, that God's politics start in the church. That we view everything in light of Christ who gave his life for sinners out of God's goodness and kindness. That's our politics. That's what we try to bring out to the world. And that's how we proceed. Second, this benediction shows not only political temporal significance of our faith, but also eternal significance of our service to our God. What we serve God is eternal. Let me repeat that. What we serve God is eternal. Your sacrifice and my sacrifice is eternally remembered and celebrated because God we serve never loses his power and authority, but he alone is immortal and eternal. He is not a temporary ruler, 
but only immortal, eternal ruler. What we do here in our life has eternal significance. Let me tell you, from time to time, I question about our life in pandemic. I feel like every day is the same. I feel like, what's the use? But you know, passages like this remind me that what I do, seemingly very mundane things in every day, in and out, is will be remembered. If I do any little thing, in the name of Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of the Lord, God will remember, and we will remember and reminisce together and celebrate together for eternity. You know, when kings reign or president's term ends, their power and authority disappears. That's what we have witnessed, witnessed in any political regime change. When current power is about to become an old power, everyone or near the power jumps out of the ship. But those of us who are serving God's eternal power and reign, we can stay steadfast because of what we do here is eternal. The key word and phrase of this Paul's final charge for Timothy is that Timothy and all servants of God, we must remember that our commission is a royal eternal commission. Hallelujah. Now allow me to use the mission, this final mission charge with a movie Mission Impossible. Your mission, Ethan, should you choose or decide to accept as always, should you or any of your IM force be caught or killed, the secretary will disavow any knowledge of your actions. This tape or disc will self-destruct in five or ten seconds. Do you remember that Mission Impossible statement? Well, let me rephrase it. If a Paul uses a similar language, Paul would say this. Your mission, man of God, should you choose or decide to accept God's glorious call? As always, should you or any of your IM force be caught or killed, the sovereign ruler of the universe will remember you and bless you. What you do for him will never be destroyed. Will you choose to accept this call? Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, the only ruler immortal, King of kings and Lord of the Lord, we ask you to enable us to be your man and woman in our life today. Help us flee evil, especially evil effects of a pandemic, and follow hard after your righteousness and godliness, and to fight the good fight, and to fasten on and feast on your eternal life. Help us remember what we do for you and your kingdom has eternal significance. In the name of Jesus, our Redeemer, and the true ruler of all, we pray. Amen.